Dear beloved teacher, dear, dear Sangha, thank you for being here. I'm also thanking my cat for being here, even though I just spent the last 15 minutes trying to entice him to take his nap in any other location because He's delightful and he's also 14 pounds that are going to be on my lap for quite a while, but he won. <laughs> so in a retreat like this, we have this opportunity to come together with friends, brand new friends dear old friends and everything in between and cultivate together the energy of mindfulness, of concentration and insight. Mindfulness, concentration and insight are the three words that our teacher Tai chose to etch into the official seal, the logo of Plum Village. They're often written in Sanskrit, Smriti, Samadhi, Prajna. And they aren't entirely separate. They arise with one another. They inter-are with each other, just like us. So all of our activities this weekend are designed to support us in cultivating mindfulness. And what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is being here for what's happening inside and around us without rushing to judge it or get busy improving on it. And we're also cultivating concentration. And we know that where mindfulness and concentration are, insight naturally will be arising as well. And I'd like to invite us all to simply sense inside for a moment with the word concentration. Concentration. What happens in your body and mind when you hear that word, when you contemplate that word? Does it get a little bit tight? Like, oh, I have to push my feelings down and uh, tense up my body or exert myself to stay focused. Maybe that's how we experienced it in school or even in our home growing up, concentration. Concentration here is not that. Instead, what we're practicing is first simply witnessing and acknowledging the thoughts that are happening. Maybe they're about the work we we just had or thoughts about whether we're doing this thing or that thing right in the retreat. And giving ourselves permission to let go of pursuing them. This concentration is permission to let go of pursuing those proliferating thoughts 
and to let our attention abide and gather in one area. The sutra on the four establishments of mindfulness briefly references what are known as the seven factors of awakening. Mindfulness, investigation, diligence, joy, ease, concentration, and equanimity. And we can notice how in that series of factors of awakening, concentration is placed directly not after diligence, but after ease. Concentration is next to ease. We don't need to battle. We try to get rid of anything in this practice. If our mind is busy like a waterfall, we can just observe it like it was a real waterfall out in nature. We can smile to it and say, oh, waterfall, waterfall. That is mindfulness of our thinking. We can step out of the waterfall again and again to witness it, smile to it. We don't need to fight it. And it doesn't even work if we try. <laughs> so likewise with listening to the talk right now, it's being recorded. We'll be able to listen to it after today as many times as we like. So we don't have to make an effort to take lots of detailed notes. Of course, if something really important gets touched in you during the talk, feel free to jot down a few words that will help you reconnect with it and look more into it later. Otherwise, while listening, we can allow ourselves to keep coming back to our breathing and letting go again and again of thoughts about capturing that point or just fixing whatever the habitually thinking mind is saying needs to be fixed about you. Let your attention keep coming back and gathering in this easeful concentration, the true home and the refuge of your conscious breathing. I'd like to invite a sound of the bell for us to do that. We have that feeling of the bell during the whole time of our sitting right now together as friends. Ty also talks about the music of our breathing. Can we enjoy that soft music? So the theme of our retreat is creating peace, creating peace. What is it in our life that causes us to feel a lack of peace? 
What is it in our life that causes us to feel a lack of peace? When we look deeply into this question and into our lived experience, we may find that a lot of it comes down to the mind's tendency to contract into a lot of thinking, analyzing and judging ourselves and others, thinking about how we ought to be but aren't, how other people should be behaving but aren't, how our life is supposed to be going but isn't, and so on. And you may have seen something about this in the description that was provided for this retreat. One of the animating questions in that description was, how do we mindfully engage with intensely ruminating thoughts? And if we continue looking deeply, we may see that very often I would even say most of the time, the machinery that drives this proliferation or this litany of thoughts is actually a kind of looping that goes on between a strong feeling or emotion and the rush of thoughts reacting to it, often in less than a second, trying to get us away from feeling that feeling trying to suppress the feeling, think of strategies to get away from the feeling, to convince the feeling that it shouldn't be here, doesn't belong here, it's wrong, it's irrational. And usually, sadly, that habitual reactive thinking only ends up intensifying the feeling that it was trying to get us away from. And so the cycle runs again and again like that when we aren't mindful of what's happening. So I tend to picture it as washing machine mind, you know, that churn around and around. It's like a closed, <laughs> a closed system. And this mental habit is not all that different from other things we may have done to escape an unpleasant feeling like pouring a glass of something with alcohol or turning on the TV or scrolling through social media or shopping sites. After a brief experience of getting away, we usually end up with even more of the feeling we were trying to escape. And so we start the cycle again. And there are all kinds of stimuli available that if we're not mindful, if we're not present and aware of what's happening inside us, our minds can use, take in and use as fuel to keep that loop going. So how about we shine this light of our awareness in some practice together right now, 
each one of us exploring how these things play out in our mind and body. This is a way we can take the instructions given by the Buddha in the Sutra on the four establishments of mindfulness and apply them to our real lives right here today. So mindfulness of sensations in the body, mindfulness of feelings that are unpleasant, pleasant and neutral, mindfulness of the landscape of the mind. And you may like to just begin this simple spontaneous practice but just recalling once more that field of loving kindness that is available to you. The beings you called to mind earlier this morning in the sitting, you can call to mind right now to support you as you consciously turn toward and engage with some of this habitual reactive patterning and how it plays out in your own daily living. I'm feeling your breathing in that field. And then inviting into your field, your own awareness, a situation where you feel yourself experiencing struggle or stress. Maybe it's strong anger or intense anxiety or overwhelm. And you might actually using your visual sense, recall perhaps a setting in which you find yourself when this seems to happen or recently did happen for you, where you were feeling that, that feeling of anger, bitterness, anxiety, the room or the space around you. If there were people around you, what their faces looked like, any words that you're maybe reading or hearing. And simply bringing this mindful awareness, this witnessing, you can say the mere recognition of the feeling of the emotion that's here and just saying yes this is anger this is anxiety this is jealousy hello hello my dear and feeling your willingness again as you're held in this field larger field of care your willingness to pause and be present with it just as it's manifesting. 
and actually having this kind curiosity toward it. It's not an interrogation. We are not trying to fix it. It's really like you want to know what's the hardest part about this for this part of me that's feeling this. Like, what's the just what's the worst thing about it? Where's the ouch of this? Where do I really get caught? And what might be some beliefs that I'm having? Like, there's no way out of this, or I'm never going to get this right, or that person doesn't understand me, doesn't see me. My country is going down. Just notice whatever the beliefs are. And continuing to notice what happens with the emotions. Might be one just really strong continuous emotion or maybe one after another. This mindfulness of the activities of the mind. And where are the sensations strongest in the body right now? And I contemplate that. What do they feel like? I continue to be willing to meet these uncomfortable, even painful feelings. And maybe we're seeing the looping happening right there, the thoughts that want to take off, acknowledging the thoughts as thoughts. Maybe there's just a real resistance, like, don't be with this. Let's think about anything else. Maybe there's some fear under that thought pattern. It's like our fear of our own fear. Maybe there's memories. We don't have to search for them. Just receiving. What is that raw, painful place in me most wanting or not wanting? Wanting me to experience or wanting me not to have to experience? afraid that we'll we'll be alone or somehow annihilated just what is it 
What is it wanting or not wanting? And once more, calling on the loving in the field here. To meet that rawness and the intensity of what it wants or doesn't want. And just sense what it would like from you right now. Maybe just permission to be here so used to hearing that it's not allowed to be here. It just wants reassurance that it's okay. It's not gonna be pushed out. It can feel the way it feels as long as it wants to. Because you are not limited to that feeling. You're embracing that feeling. Just noticing how it responds. Might be a little skeptical. Maybe it's like, yeah, that sounds nice, but I don't really believe it. Just acknowledge that if so. Okay, skeptical. Continuing to notice the sensations moment to moment. And there's no place we're trying to get to. Deepening a willingness to be with what is here. Whenever it feels maybe it's been enough or maybe there's been some kind of shift or a, a quieting or it just needs a pause. We can let go of the intentional relating with it and just allow your whole being to relax back into the Sangha energy the field of loving kindness being held in Mother Earth. And just breathe and know it's enough just like this right now. Just to be here, it's enough.
You may like to take a moment to write just a few lines down, if you wish, about what you noticed. If it was a complete shutdown, a numbing, an agitation, or maybe, maybe you saw something that you've been having a washing machine experience of actually shift a bit in some way. And the space was made for it. Just notice if in this moment now there's a judgment about what happened or didn't happen. Smile to that. Judgment is happening, okay. You're not just that. You are the awareness that recognizes it and smiles to it. When we do this kind of practice, making space with mindfulness and a real friendliness for whatever is here in us in the moment, just exactly as it is, this kind of alchemy that occurs over time is that the aversive contracting or busyness starts to relax in this loving embrace of our larger kind and compassionate awareness that progressively frees up space and a quality of energy in us that we might experience as clarity as peace as understanding and insight And in that clearer space, we may begin to look again with non-judging, non-attaining regard at how we live our daily life. What actually nourishes peace in us? And what feeds mentally emotionally and physically reactive patterns of stress, fear, and anger, and overwhelm. What in our daily life feeds one or the other direction of our experience? So in Buddhism, we talk about the choices we make with our attention choices we make about where we place our attention. So in Sanskrit, manaskara means attention. Yoniso manaskara means appropriate attention. Ayoniso manaskara means inappropriate attention. And I always hasten to remind us this is not one more thing to use as a stick, either to measure our worthiness by or, goodness, not to hit ourselves with. Appropriate or inappropriate in practice 
simply means what objects of attention, when I focus on them, whether on purpose or in unconscious habit, what things nourish a sense of well-being in me and which things water the seeds of suffering and in which proportions, what's the right amount? And also what's really true in this domain for me as distinct from maybe it might be different from my what's how it works for my partner or my neighbor or um, yeah the people I compare myself to what's true for me um, two of the other questions that inspired this retreats theme were how may we be in contact with suffering without harming ourselves and thus increasing the suffering in the world? And then how do we engage when the issues in our state and country are so overwhelming? So the last uh, 21 day retreat that our dear teacher Tai offered was in 2014 in Plum Village, and it had the title, Where Do We Go When We Die? Or What Happens When We Die? I guess it was, What Happens When We Die? And after 21 days of teaching and practice together, in the final talk, Tai said, so the answer to the question, what happens when we die is, and he smiled this, smile that was at the same time beatific and almost impish and he said we don't die <laughs> he was saying that this notion of being born from nothingness and then dying into nothingness is an illusion it's a story or a habitual belief that is not true to reality ultimately and makes us suffer a lot of fear. So my answer to the question, how do we engage when the issues in our state and country are so overwhelming is the issues are not overwhelming. Things are as they are. We humans experience pain and we experience fear we also experience joy and ease. So what's really happening when we say the issues are overwhelming is that we are experiencing in ourselves fear, anxiety, a clenching belly, and beliefs that say something like, we can't handle what's here. And if our mind ever starts to pause on that looping track 
goodness knows we have all kinds of news media and conversations with neighbors and perhaps memories from early childhood to restart it. So it's a thought. It's a thought when we say issues are overwhelming. That's a thought. Our practice is to bring mindfulness to what's happening right here. So what's happening is I'm having the thought that looks around, points the finger and says, the issues in my country are overwhelming. And below that thought, what else is here? Well, there's a feeling of unpleasant, unpleasant. And it's helpful just to name that unpleasant. That's my feeling. That's my felt sense in this moment. There are sensations of tensing in my jaw that are happening. There's more thinking. There is a strong desire to clean the kitchen again, even though it hasn't been used since the last time I did it. I am feeling fear. So unpacking, right? We're unpacking these notions and coming back home to what's actually happening right here. And what else is happening is that I am here for this body. I'm here for this clenching belly. I'm here to embrace these feelings, these memories. Say, yes, I see you. I've got you. I'm here to recognize my thoughts as simply that. They're thoughts. I know they don't define me or anybody else. I'm here for them. I hold them all with love. I do not push them away. I call on the loving beings I visualized to hold me and help me hold these maybe very intense and very unpleasant waves of experience. I may invite these thoughts and feelings and sensations outdoors with me, not to run from them, but for walking together with them on Mother Earth and feeling the sun and the breeze on my face. I'm willing to be here with my experience moment to moment. That is mindfulness. That is concentration. My friends are helping me. They're doing the same right alongside me.
Thank you. So the personal reflection exercise you'll have a chance to do this afternoon, and as Gina said, it's an invitation, um, is to look, first of all, into what are the main areas where you're putting your attention now over the course of a typical day? Like actually see yourself in your mind's eye going through a regular day about how much time do you spend, for example, reading or listening to the news or watching television? How do you feel before, during, and after doing that? Do you spend a lot of time hearing and then trying to push away anxious thoughts or stories that tell you for this reason or that reason that things are just not going to be okay. How much is your attention going into loops of angry thinking? What other things are you putting attention on that keep renewing and reinforcing these? How much are you placing your attention into what nourishes and enlivens you? And what does it feel like in your body and your mind when you do those things? How do you relate with yourself and others in those moments? And then, particularly around the experience of overwhelm, which seems to be a pretty common one, just experiment with saying to yourself something like, okay, there are many areas in this world where a good person can feel called to do something to help make a difference. I am not going to be able to help in all of them. And the notion that I should try to help in all of them is only going to bring me suffering, paralysis, and then even more suffering about my paralysis. So Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk, said in the 60s, and he was an activist. He said, there is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs, activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form perhaps the most common form of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help 
everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom which makes work fruitful. So in this exercise, what if we invite ourselves to choose one or two areas only? Let me choose one or two areas where I'm going to invest my attention my energy and my action, whatever it is, large or small. And let me make a determination to practice letting go of the others and trusting them to the many other good people who also care. I will be much more effective when I concentrate my efforts of bodhisattva learning, maybe studying about the issue, but in the appropriate amount, not over, over analyzing or overstudying my efforts of awakening and acting in one or two areas. And you may liken this exercise to write a few specific concrete actions, maybe very small steps that feel doable for you, that you will take with love as a free person rather than out of fearful reactivity, ideally with other friends so you don't feel alone in your action. Practicing to keep letting go over and over to letting go of attachment to the outcome, which you know is ultimately out of your control. Practicing as we just did a few moments ago to be with the feelings about not being in control and with balance so you don't burn yourself out. And if you're afraid your friends are going to say to you, what, you're not going to the climate rally? Why not? You can visualize yourself saying, I'm choosing to focus my time and energy into this other area and that other area where I'm committed to actively helping make a difference. I'm so grateful for what you're doing for all of us to address climate change, thank you and you see yourself giving them a big loving hug, breathing in and out as you hug them, and you respect yourself at the same time as a practitioner. And then you go outside to play fetch with your sweet dog, who is ecstatic to get to do that with you for the 1000th time. You're replenishing your reserves. So you can write a love letter to your congressperson the next Monday or whatever it is, or 
be with a person who's nearing the end of their life, maybe even a family member. That might be one of your areas. You know, even Mahatma Gandhi, who was engaged with nothing less than the liberation of the India, the nation of India, took a whole day every week, one whole day every week, to let go of the project and just come home, to let go, to clear the space, to to replenish. Thai taught us the Sanskrit word, another Sanskrit word, samtusta. You have enough. You're doing enough. You are enough. So please also reflect in the exercise and write down how you practice to offer yourself that insight through play and joy and rest. No grand goals about don't know three hours of deep relaxation just small things you can incorporate easily into your daily living because play and joy and rest are essential you can see this in any center of plum village essential for us to go the distance in whatever aspiration we feel called to serve so i'll just um summarize those again number one of the part one of it is where is my attention going right now most days part two is what one or two areas do i just feel the most passion for what one or two areas in which which one or two areas do i want to focus and concentrate rather than dispersing concentrate my attention and my actions of service to my community, to my family, to the world. And part three, how will I regularly practice nourishing myself with play, joy, and rest? 